It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 27th of March. The variance of three-point shooting bites Minnesota, but didn't bite Utah. Our team's cracking a bit under the pressure, or exhaustion. Ben Simmons and the Rookie of the Year battle, our variance of offense, Time Machine Tuesday, all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Sorry, I'm laughing. I get up and do a 30-minute yoga every morning. It was so hard this morning, and my shoulders are so sore. And doing the, I actually do do a drum roll, as you've seen if you watch the Thursday Facebook Live show, and I could barely lift my arms to do it, which really is a bad sign because yoga shouldn't be that difficult. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing well. Uh, This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, a look behind the curtains, and some geeky numbers uh, along the way. Today, we'll we'll look at a little bit what happened last night in the league. Uh, Some interesting things of what bit Minnesota that didn't beat the Jazz. Rookie of the Year talk. uh, Our defense, or excuse me, our offensive performance, and a fun time machine Tuesday as well. So that's what's coming up on today's show. It's brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, by Mizuma USA, and by Optimal norms all right let's get to it uh last night minnesota lost to memphis well how does that happen one it shouldn't it we'll get into it in a second but it's an 86 percent loss it's it's a bad one for minnesota uh their schedule is still really soft but what really happened is that minnesota that memphis got hot from three memphis went 15 of 31 from three they took and, and Minnesota's defense is not good, uh, but, and it didn't, in the highlights, I watched the fourth quarter, in the highlights it didn't look great either. Um, I would say it did look a little tepid, but you allowed 37% of their shots to be threes, and they made 50%. You should, it's really the script by which you lose. What's interesting to me about this is this has happened to the Jazz recently two different occasions, and they won both games. Sacramento came in and hit 14 of 21 from three, 67%. I believe it's the highest shooting three-point shooting percentage of any team that's lost a game this year. The key, though, is the Jazz defensive structure only allowed 24% of the shots to be threes. So they got hot. The variance of threes kicked in. They got hot, but the Jazz didn't allow very many three-point shots to happen. They went on the road to Dallas, and Dallas got hot. Dallas went and took 32 of 85 shots, which is 37%, which is very low for Dallas. Dallas takes the fourth highest in the league at about 45% or 44, I think, but still is a lot, and they got hot. 17 of 32 from three, and the Jazz found a way to win that game. The Jazz found a way to win both of those games, whereas Minnesota lost it last night. 
Minnesota did some other things well. They didn't foul, so they they didn't give them a bunch of points to the free throw line. Uh, Minnesota, who is a offensive juggernaut and has been great offensively, slipped offensively for the first time in a long time as much as anything. They shot 42% from the field. They shot 33% from three. They did get to the line. Uh, they didn't have a, but their offensive rating last night was a 99.3, which is pretty unusual for them. You wonder, I mean, I can I can only speak for the Jazz. I'm assuming Minnesota feels the same way. Uh, Minnesota has now lost four of six, by the way. Is that, the? and they're playing without Jimmy Butler. They've lost six of ten, I believe. We kind of knew this would happen when Butler got hurt. But whether or not the pressure of just having to win night in and night out is just coming up to get them a little bit. Minnesota, in their remaining games, now last night's loss throws it for a little bit of a curve. They play Atlanta, 87 win possibility. They play Dallas, 62 win possibility. They play Utah, 67 win possibility. They play the Nuggets, 34 win possibility in Denver. They go back-to-back against the Lakers. Home against Memphis again. And wrap with Denver at home. As much as that loss right there, I'm sure rattles them. And I guess they could end up losing to Dallas, Utah, Denver, the Lakers. I mean, they could fall apart here and suddenly garner four or five more losses. And then all of a sudden they're at 37 losses and you're at 47 wins and you're right on the barrier of making it. Or no, you're at 45 wins and you're right at the barrier of making it. I mean, I think 47 is your in, 46 is your winning a tiebreaker. So that gives you three more. That gives you thirty-six losses. Is the number you really need to be at thirty-five losses? Minnesota's at thirty-three. So they they could lose a few more games, and then all of a sudden they you know they go lose three more games. They're at thirty-six. They're at forty-six wins. And from what I just, if Utah gets them, that's a huge game. Uh, He pauses. You'll find out why later this week. Um, and they just can't blink. You know, in Denver, if Denver's still in it by then, and the Lakers, that's a three-game sequence where they can't afford to lose all three. Minnesota's walking themselves into a little bit of a of a tough situation. Denver last night fell at Philadelphia. It's not a big deal because that's what they're supposed to. Except for this, remember the whole conversation we had after the Jazz lost to Atlanta. Denver has not lost a game that badly, but Denver lost a game to the Clippers. They were 67%. They lost a game to the Cavaliers. They were 62 A Dallas game, they were 56 A Laker game, they were 49 A 63 against the Grizzlies. 53 against Miami. At some point, you have to make up for those. Right? You're not supposed to win all of those, but that's too many. Right? So Denver is 0-4 in their pick'em games and only 2-1 and in their unlikely games, which means if they're remaining games in which they, you know, they they have three unlikely games left, which they had done really well. They beat Cleveland in one of those. They were 2-0 and going into last night. They, they've got to find a w- way to win these games. They, they have to win 
some of their unlikelies. They've got to win either tonight in Toronto, at Oklahoma City, at L.A. against the Clippers, or at the Timberwolves on the final night of the season to gain some of these back that they let go. Denver is at 34 losses. Again, 46, they have some tiebreaker advantages. 47, you're in, I think. I mean, I could be overestimating this slightly as some teams are falling now. But I still am holding to kind of 47 gets you in, 46 you're playing with a tiebreaker. Maybe you get in at, I'd be really surprised if someone gets in at 45. But maybe if the, I just don't think the Clippers are going to fall also. If everybody falls apart, Minnesota, Denver, and L.A., and Utah, uh, maybe you get in at 45. But I, I, I can't really imagine that at this point. Um, so I think you need 46. Denver loses tonight. They can only lose one more game the rest of the way to get to 46. And they don't lose another game the rest of the way to get to 47. What gets interesting about that is Denver plays a huge amount of teams in the playoff run. So they play the Thunder. They play Toronto tonight. They play the Thunder in two days. They close with Timberwolves, Clippers, Trailblazers, and Wolves, or Timberwolves twice. Maybe maybe they've checked out by then. Minnesota gets some gimmies. That would be something, wouldn't it? The only I, I wonder, I mean, I'm just looking at the charts that I have here, and I, everybody loses, it's in red. There's just a lot more losses all of a sudden. You know, teams might be wearing out. This has been something else. This has been going on since right out of the All-Star break, February 22nd, and we're driving for a playoff push of every game having an incredible magnitude to it. Um, you know, the only team that really hasn't blinked is New Orleans. Utah barely has blinked. The one game against Atlanta. And Portland, until just recently, when they did lose two games, you thought they'd win against Houston and Boston. Actually, San Antonio winning that whole home stretch, but they had been struggling so badly, they were desperate. Let's see what happens to them now. This is where the fatigue hits San Antonio. They... They were in desperation mode. They played desperate for six straight home games. They lost to Milwaukee. Now, what happens tonight? Tonight, they play Washington. Clippers are, or excuse me, uh, Nuggets are in Toronto. Blazers and Pelicans play. I think we'd like the Blazers to win. The Blazers are pretty well set at the third seed. And the Clippers play Milwaukee. So we'd love to see the Joe Prunty-led Bucks pull off an upset. Talk about Ben Simmons here. In a second, and and our offense. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Has anybody tried the Kona yet? So they've got a new SUV. I have not got to try it yet. I get it next. It's kind of like, I think it's in the RAV4 family type car. Small uh, price is great, like 22 grand, 20 grand, depending which model you get. Uh, so small SUV. It's called the Kona. It's nice. Hyundai does such a great job. You know, you get the 100,000 mile Hyundai assurance guarantee anytime you get a Hyundai. If you're going over to the Murdoch Hyundai, you end up with the Murdoch no regrets policy, which is car washes for life. They're getting uh, oil changes for life, five-day price uh, or five-day return policy, price match guarantee. So, I mean, I think here's the, here's the thing you get with the Murdochs. It's a bigger picture item. They're doing everything they can as a dealer to try to make sure they give you the best possible experience you can get. That, that's truly what you're experiencing. 
right now with the Murdochs. And that's what I've experienced when I've been working with them. And then the Hyundai is just a great, it's a great setup. Like the Santa Fe is just a fabulous, fabulous car. I'm driving the Sonata right now, really, really enjoying it. Uh, check it out. Put them on your list. If they're not already on your list, put Murdoch on your list at 4646 South State Street in Murray, also located in Logan and in Linden. Uh, today's show is brought to you also by Optimal Norms. I was listening back to the show the other day. I thought it was pretty funny when I tried to make it eyesight. So uh, I don't know if you heard that, but Optimal Norms, OptimalNorms.com. Uh, Mason and the group over there have got some really cool stuff going on. So it's mental. What is Optimal Norms? It's mental performance consulting. So the mental aspect of sports are critical to success. We all know that. But my son sat in the starting gate on Sunday. Uh, If he skied well on a run, which he was going to go hit about 60, 65 miles an hour, uh, he would qualify for nationals. He would probably stay on the national development team. He would get all uh, he would be great if he doesn't he doesn't make it like they don't there's no it's just that simple like it's brutal and our all your kids if our athletes they've been in the same circumstance at that point it's now it's now mental right now you're dealing with performance under pressure how are you going to handle that confidence motivation focus decision making trying to find a system to relax that is what optimal norms will do for your child and your athlete let them know uh, so they will let them know how to deal with these circumstances. They will let them know how to react under those time periods. They'll sit down one-on-one with a mental performance consultant, deliberately train the mental aspects of the sport, which most, a- most athletes don't take the time to do, so you're giving your kid an edge. Uh, consultants have advanced degrees in sports science, psychology, and you give them. Uh, so that's really giving your kids this extra little boost uh, that helps them out. Consulting sessions can also be done online. So your kid goes out to this big performance. It's the day before. They want to talk to someone and make them feel comfortable. And you can have a session online. So you can do it in person. You can do it online. It's OptimalNorms.com, mental performance consulting for your athletes. If you tell them Locked on Jazz, you'll purchase, uh, you can purchase five or more sessions. You'll get uh, one for free. 801-722-8180. That's 801 722 8180optimalnorms.com Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right. Uh, I watched Ben Simmons last night and Philadelphia as they played Denver. 
and the Markel Fultz show. That was pretty exciting. Markel Fultz came back last night. He actually looked all right. It's a weird story. Did you guys see the post-game interview? So post-game interview is that asking about his shoulder injury. So ESPN said it last night, but and, and maybe you already know this. I mean, the murmur around the league is that this is all some sort of anxiety. That something happened. He basically got the yips with his jump shot out of anxiety or something of that sort. He, Scott uh, Van Pelt and Brian Windhorst talked about that last night. So I will... Um, you know, so I, I I will use I will use their reference point. I don't know this for a fact, but that's what they said last night. And so evidently, he just kind of walked into Brent Brown and said, "I'm ready to go." And so they decide to play him, and out of nowhere, and he played and he was pretty good. And then after the game, post game, he was asked about the fact that you know, well, what, when did the shoulder injury get better? And he just wouldn't answer the question. It wasn't like he said, I don't want to answer. He just sat there, put a towel over his face, wiped off the sweat that was protruding off his forehead, and did not answer the question. He just sat there and, and then waited till somebody else asked another question. It, it was the weirdest thing. It's not going to do – it's not working in the right direction. It was really after this really exciting night in which Markel Fultz looked fine and maybe he's going to be okay and he's going to be able to get something done. There was this moment, and it sure made everything feel like you've actually worked backwards, that it's not going to be okay. But anyway, uh, really wild story uh, there in Philadelphia after the game, and, and Markel Fultz, if you get a chance to see that video, it's probably worth grabbing at some point uh, today. So I watched Ben Simmons. Here's, here's the thing. The fact that this is a conversation that anyone is the rookie of the year other than Ben Simmons, or for that matter, that anyone is the rookie of the year other than Donovan Mitchell, is the most incredible compliment to both of them. I mean, I have never seen, honestly, never seen a rookie play like Ben Simmons plays. I I don't think Magic played like that in 79. I really don't. I mean, I have to go back and and go back and look at Magic on tape. But, like, there was – there's no youthful anything. There's no – I mean, he can't shoot, but he doesn't need to. I mean, Magic, I guess, averaged 18, 7, and 7, or 8 and 7, and Ben Simmons is 16, 8 and 8, so they're probably the exact same. We're dealing with, you know, arguably one of the five greatest players of all time. It's remarkable to watch him. He's so big, so strong, so in control, so dominant, so able to get anywhere he wants to at any point on the floor, sees everything. It's it's great defensively. It's awesome. So the fact that there's actually a conversation going on, and we know it, we've watched Donovan every day. Like, Donovan's incredible. I mean, truly, Donovan is incredible. And the fact that Donovan is carrying the load on this offensive team, as I talk about, you know, without his Kevin Love, without his Paul George, without his Chris Paul, without his whomever of all the top score, without his Joel Embiid, is astronomical. The fact that there is a conversation on either front is a tribute to the other guy. Because let me tell you what, Ben Simmons is incredible. Like, if you're 
having your fan jousting with a Philadelphia 76er fan right now and having fun with them, like, there's no need to criticize Ben Simmons. It's amazing. But so is Donovan. Like, that's what's so remarkable. And frankly, the other one is, on almost any other year, I'm not sure Lonzo Ball's 36% shooting gets it done, but Jason Tatum's year is rookie of the year worthy. 14 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 43% from 3, 48% for the field, an above-average offensive player? Are you serious? Lori Markkinen is averaging 15 and 8 while shooting 35% from 3. That's rookie of the year worthy. I'm not sure I think Dennis Smith's 39% shooting is. But this year has been incredible. Kyle Kuzma, 16 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 45% from the floor, 37% from the three, playing 2,200 minutes. That's rookie of the year worthy. And they're not even... They're not even sneaking into the discussion, right? There's not even a chance they're part of the discussion. That's that's the tribute to how truly incredible both these guys are. Uh, this has been a signature of our season all year long. Our offense is wildly variant. And maybe everyone's is. Um, And so recently our three-point shooting was last in the NBA for about a 15-game stretch. And there's another 15-game stretch this year where our our offense was – our three-point shooting was number one in the league. Talking to Quinn about this, what he'll say is that really that everything – offensively for this team, the way they play, the system they play, without a lot of guys that beat you one-on-one, everything has to line up pretty darn well. You know, everyone's got to be kind of playing in the system. If someone breaks it out, backs it out to go one-on-one and get theirs, it screws up the system. Uh, We're 12th in the season in three-point shooting. For the last 15 games, we're 28th. They break it down into 10-game stretches. Here are 10-game stretches. 13th, 7th. 2nd, 30th, 11th, 4th, 29th. Like, how's that possible? It's really unusually strange. Some of it's... And and, and thank goodness we have Joe Ingles kind of hovering around with some consistent level there. Um, every, you know, right now, Jonas Derebko is our second leading three-point shooter and Royce O'Neal is our third. So there is some level, I think, where you're dealing with just an incredible variance after Joe Ingles. Thank goodness for Joe Ingles, whose three-point shooting month by month is pretty darn consistent. 45, 40, 45, 46, 46. Like, that's incredible. December, he slipped. I think December, he was playing 30 minutes a night, and... At the for the first time, and I think wore down a little, and then has fought through it. Joe Ingles' year is incredible. What he's done to learn how to play this amount of minutes and under he's played thirty or more minutes fifty one times this year. 
and to still stay sharp and on it. Renee probably deserves a lot of this credit. He did this 19 times all of last year and almost all of them near the end of the season and in the playoffs. Renee deserves a lot of this credit, uh, his wife, because she went through a whole body transformation trying to come back uh, and change diet and everything, and Joe followed followed with that, from, from my understanding. But so our three-point shooting, for whatever reason, is just incredibly all over the map. And I don't know if it has to do with if we're playing a good team or a bad team. Um, maybe, but... San Antonio's pretty good, and we went and hit 11 of 28, which is pretty close to our season average. And Atlanta's not very good, and we went 6 of 34. And Sacramento's not very good, and we went 6 of 24. How do we win that Sacramento game? Phoenix isn't very good. We went 12 of 36. So I don't I don't really know the answer. Um, but it is kind of – and now we're hot right now, right? So in our last three on that road uh, – like, and there's no home road logic either, by the way. On the last road trip, after having the worst three-point shooting in the NBA for a 10-game stretch, we turned around and hit 35 of 85. I, I, I don't think it's personnel. Um, I, I I mean, I don't, like, for example, I don't think it's because we're playing one guy more than the other and suddenly that's what happens. I, I really don't. It's just kind of a wild aspect of who we are. All right, let's get to Time Machine Tuesday. I love Time Machine. I hope everybody else likes Time Machine Tuesday. It's been really fun. We'll do that uh, in just one second. If uh, it, April 15th is looming, you hate doing your books. You hate trying to find 12 months of information. In fact, there's a decent chance you were doing this last night. Okay, so if you have one to five employees. Hey, Devin Cash, are you listening? Uh, if you have one to five employees and you're not using Mizuma, uh, and Mizuma USA, you're losing money and clarity. In fact, I was with a buddy of mine who's an insurance agent in uh, in the Bay Area and telling him about this, and he was like, oh, this sounds incredible. Uh, so for $75 a month, you get a unlimited consultation from a CPA and a bookkeeper. You get reports every month. They do all your bookkeeping, and then they submit your personal and business and tax returns for you. So here's how it works. You set up, you have an orientation call. At that point, Mizuma USA assigns you a bookkeeper and a CPA. They're yours. $75 a month, you communicate with them. They get all your information. They send you your first set of reports. Every month, they continue to set you, send you another report. They have a tax planning discussions with you every quarter. At the end of the year, boom, there it all is. It's pretty cool. No contract, cancel at any time, no hidden fees. Just makes a lot of sense. It's a really neat business model. I sat down with them and tried to understand the business model. It makes total sense to me. There's no need for you to be paying for full-time bookkeepers and CPAs when you have one to five employees, and there's no point for you to be your own bookkeeper and your own CPA when you could be making money with that time doing so many other things. So for $75 a month, they give you a bookkeeper and a CPA. If you use the promo code LOCKED, you get 25% off, so it just got even better. Visit MizumaUSA.com. Call them at 801-980-2102 for a free consultation. 801-980-2102.
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right and theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains i tried everything massages chiropractors this at-home device handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me and now the all-new gen 4 theragun has a proprietary brushless motor it's so quiet it's no louder than an electric toothbrush and best of all you can try theragun risk-free for 30 days there's no substitute for the theragun gen 4 with an oled screen personalized theragun app and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, we grab the bag. Time Machine Tuesday. I'm all over our staff because our whole business model is on the podcast network is 25 to 30 minutes. And didn't stop going over. And, of course, here I am over again. Uh, all right, let's go to Utah Jazz. We pull the year. It is 1990-91 season for the Utah Jazz is what we have what we have pulled here. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. 90-91, that team ends up going 54-28. and 28. It was the 11th best offense, 6th best defense in the NBA. Jerry Sloan was at the helm. We were using the old logo. Let's see what we were doing on March 27th. March 27th, we paid the L.A. Clippers. Came in on a five-game win streak, went on the road to play the Clippers, and dropped it. 95-89. How the heck did we lose this game? Carl Malone had 41 points, nine rebounds, and three assists. Stockton had 17, 10 assists, and 5 steals. Big T answered with 16 and 8. He started that night. Daryl Griffith was slowing down, played just 12 minutes. Mark Eaton played 40 in the middle. Jeff Malone was the other guard, 2 of 8. That's how he lost, the lack of, lack of consistency there. Tony Brown, Daryl Griffith, Mike Brown, and Delaney Rudd. Jazz fell behind by 8 after 1. Played good defense in the second to cut it to five. Cut it to four going into the fourth and then couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter. Pace of play was below 90 possessions in that game. Jazz shot it terribly. Jazz were one of ten from three that night. John Stockton was 0 for 5. The Clippers went two of five from three. People could not do math in 1990-91. Who started for that Clipper team that beat the Jazz? Charles Smith was their point guard with Winston Garland. Ron Harper was pre-knee injuries. He had 29. Danny Manning and Olden, the Sheriff, Polonese. Ken Norman, Tom Garrick, and Jeff Martin came off the bench in that game. 29 for Ron Harper. Torch Jeff Malone. Uh, 22 for Charles Smith. That game took place at the sports arena in front of 13,000 324-year officials were Joe Forte, whose son's in the league, Joe Borgia, who's now the guy always in Secaucus, and Hugh Evans. That is your Time Machine Tuesday. Let's go check quickly before we wrap it up. What else 
So they'd won five in a row. They would end up losing three in a row, losing to the Clippers, Sacramento, and Phoenix on a road trip. And that 90-91 team would then play Phoenix in the first round of the playoffs, having to go on the road to start. Because I think you used to play, I I don't remember if this was 3-2 when you played the first two on the road. Uh, They would blow Phoenix out in one of the more impressive Jazz wins at that point in franchise history, 129-90 in game number one of that playoff series. Uh, Carl Malone had 29, Jeff Malone had 21. And the Jazz, that was a, Blue Edwards came back at that point. Uh, for the Jazz, and that was Hornacek, Kevin Johnson, Tom Chambers, Xavier McDaniel, Mark West, Dan Marley, a pretty good Phoenix team. Uh, and the Jazz pulled off that 90-91, so a 91. Then they went to Portland for on on the road in that series and got beat in five. Uh, disappointing game four, if, you, if anyone remembers it. They lost 104-101 at home uh, in that series. Uh, fired, got blasted early in that game. We're down by a ton at halftime, 57-44 in game four at home in a 2-1 series, and then fought back but, but didn't have enough in the tank uh, and, and lost. That was, that was kind of one of those, you know, we're still at the early stages of the Utah Jazz at that point, 90-91, sec, semifinal loss. Um, I believe it would be the next year we'd finally make the conference finals if I – um, if I'm correct, yes, we would break through and make the conference finals. All right, that is your Locked On Jazz today, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you very much to Optimal Norms, OptimalNorms.com, Mazuma USA, and Murdoch Hyundai. Have a great day. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.